Welcome to this week's sermon at Village Presbyterian Church. At Village, we seek to be shaped by the life of Christ, to practice authentic friendship, and serve the world. You're invited to join us at either our Mission Campus or our Antioch Campus. For now, we hope you hear a word for your own life in this sermon. Our scripture reading for today comes from Paul's letter to the church in Philippi. I'll be reading from the first chapter and reading verses 6 and 7. But as we come to this text, let us first join together in prayer. Gracious God, You are God, and so it is Your Word and Your Word alone that is life for us. But You are gracious, so we trust that by Your Spirit that these ancient words can be breathed to life in us and give us life. We are here, O God. We are listening. In the name of Christ, amen. Let us listen now for God's Word for us. I am confident of this, that the one who began a good work among you will bring it to completion by the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to think this way about all of you because you hold me in your heart. For all of you share in God's grace with me, both in my imprisonment and in defense and confirmation of the gospel. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God shall stand forever. Amen. In these verses, the Apostle Paul, he writes from a tender place. He is in prison He is cut off from his friends. He is cut off from those he loves. He is alone, but his faith is strong. He says, I am confident that the good work that has been begun in you will be brought to completion on the day of Jesus Christ. That is the day when all that has gone wrong is made right. It is the day when the best in us and the best in the world is brought to full fruition. That's what he means by the day of Jesus Christ. Here at Village, we sometimes call that God's promised day. Now look, we're not there yet, not by a long shot, but sometimes we get a glimpse. Paul trusts in that day because he got a glimpse, and the glimpse came through his friends in church at Philippi. When Paul was at his lowest moment, he remembers how the folks at Philippi loved him. They hold him in their heart, he says. It gave him strength and it gave him hope. It was the love that they shared that gave him confidence that the day of Jesus Christ could be trusted because in that love, even in difficult times, he saw the love of God evidenced in the world. He could see the fingerprints of God at work in the world, and so he knew that the good that God had begun would be brought to completion. It's all because he trusted that they loved him. So my, my grandmother she kind of stitched her days together with these proverbs, most of which I couldn't understand at all. She had a saying for every circumstance. 
if, if I ever misbehaved, okay, we'll go with this hypothetically, were I to misbehave, she would say, Tom, you better straighten up or I'm going to jerk a knot in your head. I don't even know what that means, but it doesn't sound good. She said, why are you making this so complicated? Why are you going around your elbow to get to your thumb? Again, I don't know what that means. This one I heard more than a few times. She said, Tom, there is very little educational value in the second kick of a mule. Okay, that one, that one I get. I get that one. And of course, there was a litany of, bless your heart. That sounds sweet, doesn't it? Bless your heart. Bless your heart is South Carolina talk for you are the dumbest child I have ever known. Slammed your hand in the car door, did you? Well, bless your heart. Now, if I'm making my grandmother sound like someone we should call the authorities on, I have misled. This woman loved me, and don't tell my siblings, but she loved me more than them. She loved me the most. Of this, I am confident. And if I were ever down... I ever felt beat up a bit, if I were ever afraid, she would say, if I could, I would give you my heart for the hurting times. That's what the Philippians did for Paul. They gave him their heart when he was hurting. And as a result, Paul felt in that love strength for today and hope for tomorrow. He says, because you hold me in your heart, I know that the good that God has begun in us will be brought to completion. It's because in that ordinary love that they shared, he could see something extraordinary and holy and ultimate. We get glimpses like that. We're talking about village being village, and at village... We give our heart for the hurting time. Here we call it mission. Village is the mission church on Mission Road. I, that's, I heard that in my first conversation with the pastor nominating committee back in 2003. We don't say it just that way anymore because when we first started saying it, Prairie Village was more prairie than village, and we were the only church on Mission Road, and it didn't sound like we were trying to compete with anybody now that there's so many churches on Mission Road. That's not the point. The point, though, is we always have been and always will be a church of mission right here in this community. That commitment to mission, it started at our first congregational meeting. Do you know this story? The first congregational meeting of the church in 1949, this congregation chose to give $25,000 to the Board of American Mission of the Presbyterian Church to start a Presbyterian church in another community. That was $25,1949 that we gave away. It was more than four times the annual budget of the church in 1949, and, and it was an act of gratitude. Because a few years earlier, we knew that Presbyterians in Pennsylvania and in Ohio and in New York had taken up collection to help start a new church in a place called Prairie Village. So we were going to pass it on. But there was more than that. 
In our earliest years, if you spoke of us being a mission church, people thought about mission as an international work. In 1961, Dr. Bob Manili, our founding pastor and a saint in shoes, he gave about half a year to serve as a missionary in the Philippines. And when he returned, they say he gave a four-week uh, presentation, once each week, four-week presentation about the state of international mission through the Presbyterian Church in the world. It's recorded that 15,000 people attended those four weeks. And village was endeavoring to set aside 25% of our budget for mission, again, most of which went around the world. But then something changed. The civil rights movement burst onto the scene in America, and we realized that there was work to do in our own zip code. It was not enough to do mission across the world. We also had to do it across the street. In 1964, the session of this church requested that Dr. Bob do a sermon series on race relations, that he provide some theological lens to look at the, the realities of racial injustice that plagued America. Dr. Bob, he preached about fair housing. He preached against the housing covenants in our deeds that made it illegal for, for people of color to live in our communities. He was criticized. He was criticized for being too political and for being a socialist. Those are the criticisms that have long legs. We, we continue to hear those even today, too political and socialist. He, he was neither of those. He was just a Christian preacher. But there was more than that. In 1971, the session created what was called the Community Relations Committee. It later it was called the Community Concerns Committee, and now we call it the Mission Committee. For 50 years now, we have been giving our heart to the hurt in our city in all kinds of ways. Tony Deal and Dave Lillard and others, they started building houses with Habitat. Helen Tolliver and others, they launched Mission Sewing. Scores of you opened up your homes for those displaced by Hurricane Katrina. Over the years, we have given away millions of dollars. Our annual average these days is about a million and a quarter every year to support ministries like, like the Upper Room Reading Program or Rose Brooks Domestic Violence Center to help those who are fleeing violence in their own homes. We support, we've supported De La Salle to help give education to students who have become parents far too early. We put a STEM lab at Operation Breakthrough and furnished the opening of Thelma's Kitchen. We have helped families move from sleeping in their cars to sustainable housing through Hillcrest Transitional Housing, and we've, we've brought students off the streets through Avenue of Life Ministry. But there's more. In 1992, Village purchased a beautiful stretch of land with a terribly broken down school-looking building sitting upon it. But today, it is the Robert and Shirley Manili Center for Mission. It is the home of the Village Child and Family Development Center. 
It is the home of our computer ministry. It is the home of the village church food pantry and clothes closet that feeds thousands of hungry people every year, and hundreds of you volunteer there all the time, and, and not for nothing. We built those buildings with environmental sensitivities, and there are today 207 solar panels on its roof as our effort to reduce a carbon footprint. But there's more. In 1999, Betty Crooker, armed with holy imagination, drove into the Ivanhoe neighborhood, a neighborhood that our city had forgotten. She spotted a woman up on a front porch, and she parked her shiny car and walked up onto that broken-down porch, and she introduced herself. She said, my name is Betty, and this woman said, well, Miss Betty, my name is Miss Ruthie. And Betty said, well, Miss Ruthie, how long have you been here in Ivanhoe? Miss Ruthie looked at Betty all clad in matching glasses and purse and shoes, and she said, ma'am, I was getting ready to ask you the same question. In that conversation, Front Porch Alliance was born, and for over 20 years, we stayed to work with children and families and those in need Hundreds of you have volunteered in that ministry. You know, we recognize that when people are in need, they're not the recipients of our charity. No, they become family. We're in it together. Where there is hurt, that's where our heart is. We are giving our heart for the hurting times because in these acts of service, the love of God is evidenced, and, and we bear witness that the good that God has begun will be brought to completion on the day of Jesus Christ. There will be a day when these injustices are addressed. There will be a day when these hungers are fed. There will be a day when all that has gone wrong will be made right. But there's more. It was 1991, I think. Andy Wilson, he remembered the childhood days of our church when all of our mission was across the seas. And he led a group of folks to the Dominican Republic. And today, today still, we partner with our friends through Light a Candle in La Romana to bring life and hope to those who are in desperate need. And we do the same through the Higgins Brothers Surgery Center of Hope in Haiti. And we do the same through Frontera de Cristo at the U.S.-Mexico border. And we do the same with our Christian friends at Thawake, Kenya. And many of you have participated in these trips, and it's changed your life, I know. But not only have we gone there, we've also welcomed the world into our homes through Christmas International House. But there's more. Ten years ago, ten years ago, we remembered that first congregational meeting when we realized we had a responsibility to the larger church. We had a responsibility to communities of faith, not only in our sanctuary, but beyond and so you helped launch Next Church, a network of leaders who are giving birth to creativity and are being attentive to the movement of God's Spirit in these new days. 
And through the Now and Tomorrow campaign, you established the first decision mission, Legacy Fund. Those dollars are used to support ministry of the Presbyterian Church. And as we remember that our first decision was to help start another congregation in another community, in 2017, we launched our second campus, Village on Antioch. And the portion of the village family that worships at Antioch are as committed to giving their heart away as we are at mission. I could go on because there's more. But let me just say this. We've been talking about village being village. About village being a place that's committed to relationship. About village being a place that provides holy conversation. But when village is village, we are also unafraid to give our heart to a hurting world. Like Paul, I believe in that ultimate future of God. I believe that the good in you and in me and in the world will be brought to completion on the day of Jesus Christ. I believe that all that has gone wrong will be made right in God's ultimate future. And I believe that in part because when I was hurt, when I was down, when I was afraid, I knew someone who loved me. I knew someone who would give me her heart. And it gave me hope. And it strengthened my faith. And I think when we do the same, even when we can't see it, when we give our heart to those in need, it breathes that same hope into a world, a hurting world, and we bear witness that we believe that God will bring the good that God has begun in us and in the world. God will bring it to completion on God's promised day. And at Village, we endeavor to live toward that day. Pray with me. Gracious God, we believe. Help our unbelief. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Now you have listened to me preach about it, but listen now to Becky and Nathan sing about it. Everybody you can pour it out Busting the seams of things you've never felt Have you ever heard so deep For another soul in need That you forgot yourself Felt like you could bear It's a blessing, it's a curse To love so much it hurts I wish I could take your pain away I hope you believe me when I say And I wish I could give you my heart I'd give 
feel my heart for the hurting times I wish I could give you my heart Give you my heart for the hurting times for listening to this week's sermon at Village Presbyterian Church. Learn more about us at villagepres.org. And we invite you to join us again next week.